Yes, I will. A year ago, a little over a year ago, the world as we knew it changed. This pandemic shut everything down and the globe felt what one scholar called a collective loss of control. And it was confusing, still is a bit confusing. It's frustrating. Things have shifted. Our country's a different place. The world is a different place. And as the dust is be- just beginning, okay, is beginning to settle, the big question for many of us, and maybe you've been asking that question a lot recently, is, God, what are you up to? What's ahead? What, what are we going to see come out of this? Uh, can anything good come out of this? I believe yes, yes, yes. And I believe God is doing a new thing. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. For Christ followers all over the globe, for us here, for those at Village, those online, God is not done with us. He was not confused at any of this. And He wasn't surprised at any kind of pandemic, okay? God is still in control. And I believe we're poised to see God do an amazing thing coming out of this again as the dust begins to settle. So that's what we're talking about today. Glad you're here, whether that be in person or online. It's awesome to do this as one church family. And before I get to the the vision part, I want to tell you about something that uh, maybe I don't know if I should let out or not, but I've I've been taking some night classes at a local community college here in viticulture. Not, not sure what viticulture is. Okay, I'll, I'll try to help you out. It's in enology. Still don't, don't know what I'm talking about? It's wine studies. Enology is the study of wine. So I've been studying wine. You see, I grew up in Oregon, and I grew up on a farm here in Oregon. And when I was a kid, it was all grass seed and hazelnuts. Well, we actually called them filberts back in the day. Cause that's, what, that's what Jesus called them. But anyway, now it's the hazelnuts. It sounds a lot, a lot better. But that's all I knew. And I, that's the farming we did. So I go off to a different state. I come back. And all of a sudden, there's this whole wine industry. And they're calling us the new Burgundy, some weird thing like that. And apparently, this is one of the few spots in the world that can grow this little pesky little, uh, really hard-to-grow berry called a Pinot Noir. And so I began to learn. So I've been taking some classes. And part of the reason I took those classes, too, was several years ago now, uh, it's, it, it's, a, it's a legend in our family. We call it the, the Bauman Blackberry Wine Incident. And um, we were living in Washington at the time, and I think our neighbors or something said, oh, you should try to, we have lots of blackberries here, make, make some, you know, a cordial or a, even make wine or whatever. And we had lived in, in Tennessee for a long time, and we just figured, well, if they could figure it out, surely we can figure out how to do this. So I went and got this big glass jug, and I didn't need to look it up, okay? I didn't need to go Google it. I could just figure this thing out. Can't be that hard. It's just chemicals, right? So we put this nice, sweet blackberry juice in this glass jug. And where are we going to put? Well, we've got to put it in the garage. So I take that cap and I twist it tight. And then I take it to the garage. Some of you are laughing already. Why are you laughing? You know what's ahead? Within minutes, it wasn't hard, it was hardly any time at all, we hear this huge explosion. Huge explosion. I go running to the garage, and guess what happened to that jug? Yeah, we didn't make wine. We made a wine bomb. We made a blackberry bomb. 
In fact, the whole garage smelled like blackberry juice, and there are still things that we have in our possession that have glass shards in them. Yeah, I don't want to repeat that. And it's kind of made me a little leery about even trying to make wine again because I'm just afraid of this chemical stuff that I didn't really understand. Why in the world would I be talking about stuff like wine on a Sunday morning? Here's why. There was a moment where Jesus spoke about a time for new wine and new wineskins. And he spoke it in the first century. And he wasn't specifically talking about wine. He was talking about the new has come. And I believe this is a time like that. The new has come. Coming out of this, we're going to enter into a new wine and new wineskins moment. And now, after all that I've learned in these classes, now I understand the metaphor Jesus was using about new wine and new wineskins. And we'll talk about that in, in just a little bit and about what God is doing, I think, new as we move to whatever new normal is ahead of us. I'm Pastor Ben. I'm so glad you're here with us. This is your first time. Welcome. It's awesome to have you here, whether that be in person or online. Certainly a shout out to Village. Glad you're with us today. God is doing something amazing, and I believe that we are ready as a church family to experience that. So let's pray together and get into our content today. Father, we thank you for your love and your faithfulness to us. We're thankful that, Father, sometimes we have to go through some, some difficulties for you to, to kind of navigate a new normal for us. And, Father, as we lean into your word, as we lean into what you might be calling us to do in the future, Lord, may we not be people that shrink back or are worried or fearful, but by your power, the power of your Holy Spirit, we'd be seeing what is new and ahead, and we'd be excited about that and charge forward with your mission. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. If you have a Bible or device, find Luke chapter 5. Now, the beginning of the New Testament has four books as it kicks off in the New Testament. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We call these the four Gospels, but probably a better term for our day and age would be the biographies of Jesus. These are the eyewitness accounts of Jesus. And three of the four Gospel accounts carry this interaction that Jesus has with some religious leaders. Now, if you've, if you've ever read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and, and kind of see the biography, biographies, biographies of Jesus, you'll find that when his ministry started, the religious leaders were trying to figure him out. They were, they were trying, to, trying to understand this, this new rabbi that had burst on the scene, this, this rabbi who'd actually never studied like the normal rabbis would. This, this kind of up-and-comer out of a small town, insignificant little place. They wanted to understand a little bit more about him. And they, and they were trying to yeah, navigate whether they should like him or not, whether they should try to get rid of him or not. And it's going to be the beginnings of tension that happen all the way through to the end for Jesus. But let's look at Luke chapter 5, because Luke adds a little bit more uh, detail for us. In chapter, I'm going to go ahead and read it from my trusty old uh, English Standard Version here. It's, uh, it's gotten some use. But I'm going to read from that if you want to follow along in your device there. And starting with verse 33. And they said to him, The disciples of John fast often and offer prayers. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. And Jesus said to them, Can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? 
The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they they will fast in those days. He also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins and it will be spilled and the wines will be destroyed, or the skins will be destroyed. But, but new wine must be put in fresh wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, desires new, for he says the old is good. So what are we talking about here? Jesus is having this interaction and these Religious leaders are trying to understand why those who were following Jesus up to this point weren't following the regular patterns and rhythms of good religious people. And they were trying to understand, Jesus, why are your disciples kind of being rogue here, if you will? And so Jesus explains to them, well, they're not fasting right now because I'm here. Basically, he's saying, you know, the the party's on right now. The the feast is here. The Son of Man is here. God has put on flesh and walked. They're not going to be fasting right now. Now, of course, the religious leadership didn't quite understand all that. But that's why they wouldn't be fasting and and going through this period of, of, of down because he's there. Right? He's using the metaphor of weddings. The bridegroom is there. Of course, we're not going to, we're going to be feasting. And, and so he starts there and then he gives two little parables. And they both have to do with mixing old and new. Now, for years I read these and didn't really understand the whole idea of the wine and wineskins thing. I never, I never really understood it. Now I definitely understand it. Because they would put new wine, and when they say new wine, in fact, some of the, uh, the Greek words for wine in the New Testament actually come from words that we would, would say like glucose and sucrose. In fact, I think the actual term in one of the passages that mentions wine in the New Testament calls it glucose. Well, what's that? Sugar, right? So new wine had a lot of sugar in it. And so the idea would be you'd put this new sweet wine, per se, the sweet juice, really, it's not wine yet, and put it in these goat skins that were new so that the goat skins could expand and allow the gas to come out as, you know, sugar's being eaten by, you want to go, you want to go science okay, so sugar is eaten by yeast, and then that produces alcohol, but it also produces gas. The one component I didn't know back in Washington with my Blackberry stuff. So that, those skins would expand and let the gas out, and then you'd be left with wine, and the skins would come back down. Well, he was saying, look, if you put new wine that needs to expand in already worn out skins, it's just going to ruin everything. Now, what's his point here? He's really not talking about wine, is he? He's talking about he's coming in with something brand new. That the kingdom he's bringing is essentially incompatible with the old. That when Jesus came and started talking about the kingdom, that was superseding the old. That there was going to be a new covenant. The old is gone and the new covenant was coming. You see what he's doing there? He's trying to say, look, this is something brand new, and they're not going to be compatible. That, that, that the, the, the old covenant is not compatible with the new, because Jesus was going to come, and what's he going to do? He's going to pay for the sins of everyone on the planet, past, present, and future, 
and offer a way for us to have hope and forgiveness and freedom. See, the new covenant is, is, is not going to be compatible with the old. And that's what he's saying here. So I think it's a fitting, a fitting metaphor for where we're headed. That in, in many ways, our country's not the, the way it was before. The world is not how it was before. This pandemic has shifted a lot of our thinking. It's shifted a lot of work. People are working from home. In fact, I was watching something on the news yesterday, and they were talking about how the commute has changed. They were showing photos of L.A., at rush hour, and it's, we've never seen anything like this. So the world has shifted, everything has shifted, and I think it's a good metaphor for us to, to borrow his metaphor of new wine and new wineskins to talk about what might be ahead for us, that God is doing something new that is completely different. I like what Luke says here at the end. Did you catch that? No one who has the old wine will want what? The new wine. Now what's Luke adding there? that for many in the Jewish culture, they would never accept what Jesus had to offer. They weren't going to go for the new. It wasn't going to be their jam. And we saw that played out. In fact, as you can see, that tension that even was, was brewing here led to that, led to the cross. Now, God had a, a pretty great plan in store for that because He didn't stay on the cross, did He? He rose from the dead on the third day, and that's why we, that's why we worship on Sundays together because it was on that Sunday that he rose from the dead. So, new things. What is God doing? Here's what's crazy to me. Right now, Dallas, Independence, and Monmouth are all growing at over 20% growth rates. Dallas is about to hit 18,000 in population. We're seeing some growth in more rural communities that are now, they're, they're commuting you know, people that are living here are commuting to different places, but we're seeing staggering growth in some of the rural communities. And we are poised to see a whole new harvest here. Jesus talked about the harvest being plentiful, but the workers are few. We are now in a moment that I believe God is going to do something amazing and reach people that have never been reached before. Generations that have never been reached before. We have this great, God is bringing people to us. And we get a chance to show them hope. And I think we get a chance to point them to Jesus, not religion, and not churchiness. We get to point them to Jesus. He's the real game changer. And that's what I believe God is doing new. He's doing a new wine and new wine skids moment. Check this out. A year ago, it was actually February 2nd, 2020. To take your mind back to that pre, it's really hard for us to do that now, but take it back where we didn't even know what a mask was, except for how, on whatever, Halloween, right? Take us back to February 2nd, that was Super Bowl Sunday, 2020. I stood up here and I was talking about vision, right here in our little group here, and I said, look, God is doing something amazing. And I was talking about in two to five years, we believe God is going to move us in these directions. And we, we talked about six different things. This was a year ago. Already, we're, we're about one year from that. God has already done three of those six. Now, we were talking about two to five years. We did that. God did something powerful in just a year. Three of those things. And what are some of those things that we talked about? We talked about adding more staff. Uh, to, 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 to help us move ministry forward. And we've done that. A couple of people, actually, we put on staff. And we also knew that we wanted to make some improvements around here. One of them was, this room used to be super echoey. Well, 
God did something awesome. We had a team of great people, and they installed these. They're high-tech, and if you ask me what the material is, I don't know. But what does it do? It helps stop some of the echo. That way we can have clarity, finally, when we talk up here, and not have this delay going on half the time. That'll happen within a year, and, and, and of course the big one. We said in that message on February 2nd, you know what, we probably should go digital legit. But, you know, we probably should do that. You know, a lot of tr churches were toying with it. We, you know, we, we probably should go digital. We should go online. We never really did that before here at Dallas Church. And within weeks, we pivoted to full digital. And not just content on Sundays, but we were delivering packets and doing all kinds of things to, to kind of engage our church family. Some of you received a little packet when you came in. And, and that's also available, I think, on our, our church center app. Um, and we, we can get that to you in a digital format because we're very techie around here. But you might have gotten a printed copy when you came in. Those are things we're, we're trying to celebrate. Sometimes it's good to stop and celebrate what God has done. Within a year, our two to five year, six items, half of them, God did. And, and it's amazing sometimes what disruption can do. We had a whole, we had a whole a sermon series on disruption last year because we were all feeling disrupted. But you know, God can do things when disruption occurs. He's not surprised by this. And you know what? I think sometimes the church thrives when we're kind of under, under stress, when we're under the gun. Nobody wants the stress, but it's amazing to me what God does even in difficulty, right? So we want to celebrate those things. God did that in such a short time. And here's what else. We've been able, even during this whole time, to leverage our building beyond Sundays to help people. One of the things that we did several years ago, and I'm so thankful for our eldership and our leadership that we're willing to do this, we opened up our building to folks that are, are, are homeless or they're couch surfing or they, they, they don't have a place that's warm and dry. So we have been opening our building several times a year. When it gets cold, we let people come and sleep here and we feed them. What a wonderful thing, right? Sometimes that means things get a little messy around here, and that's okay. That's all right. I'm thankful to be part of a church family that's willing to do that, willing to go beyond. And I love the fact that we've been able to now, I think we have an opportunity. We've got Friday nights. We have an AA meeting that's meeting here on our campus, and I think that's really helpful. You see, coming out of this whole thing, I think the church is poised to be an amazing place of healing. Maybe more so than we've ever been able to do. People are going to be ready for healing, right? This whole thing has broken us in so many ways, but God has a plan. And so I want to share with you some things, four things that I think God is moving us toward in, 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 in the future here. Uh, in the immediate future and the long-term future. I'm almost afraid to say two to five years because I looked back at a year ago, and God did three of them pretty quick. So I'm careful. To, I don't want to put too much of a, a time frame on it, because God can do what he wants to do. But in the next season, all right, I'll leave it that way, I believe God is calling us to four things. And the first one is this. And this may sound kind of crazy at first, but this is something that, that I would just want to call multi-church ministry. That God is going to call us to do something that really hasn't been done a whole lot in our area. I believe God is going to use our church family... Uh, to be a healthy DNA for either churches that we partner with or churches that we join forces with or churches that even we might adopt or, or, or do some, some interesting new things. See, our church was planted 
by a couple of other churches and organizations in 2007. In 2011, we launched our first daughter church. That was Mike and Heather Miller, and it's now Village Church. I believe God is calling us now to what's ahead in planting. And so there might be traditional church plants that, that happen that we can help with, but there also might be churches that are struggling and they're, and they're unable to reach young people or maybe they just don't have the energy anymore. And there's a lot of churches in our area like that. And, and, and they run the risk of closing forever. What if we could be a catalyst for God to use us and, and create missional moments in those towns and cities where, where your grandchildren, if you're a grandparent, can go to church? and be part of a, of a thriving community. So I believe God is moving us toward more multi-church thinking, that it's not just about us and our big old place here. It's about communities where, where, where there's a lot of lost people. Look, our communities are growing at 20% or more. That's a lot of people brought in. Do you know that even if every church building in this town was full, we wouldn't even be reaching 10% of our population? I believe God is calling us to think differently about how ministry works, that there's going to be more partnerships. There's going to be more helping each other. God is doing that. He's stirring that up already. And I believe he's going to continue to do that. So as a, as a church planter like me, who, who always saw church planting as kind of one way, God is kind of going, nope, there's all kinds of ways we can do this. And I'm excited about what he's going to do. So that's multi-church ministries coming. And here's the second thing. Church reimagined as the third place. You see, years ago, I think back in the late 70s or early 80s, Howard Schultz with Starbucks thought, you know what, we're, we're going to make coffee shops and put them everywhere, and they're going to be people's third place. You ever heard the term third place? So you got home, then you got work, right? And then the third place. And regardless of what you think of Starbucks, I think actually the church can be that third place. And it will be the third place. You see, people aren't connecting anymore. I mean, you, you talk about bars or, or, or civic organizations or even coffee shops. Those are not places that have enough to foster community and get healing and help. I think the church is going to arise, reawaken as that third place where people can find healing. They can get help from addictions. They can get, get some people that actually support them. Jackie and I lived in Tennessee for eight years with no family around. You know who was our family? Our church. And I believe that's, that is exciting, that the church can be that place, that third place, where people can find, they can ask questions, and they, they can get community, they can, they, can, they can have so much, and in depth, where they can actually discover. People aren't joining civic organizations anymore. There used to be so many out there, and some of you may have been part of some of the few. I was part of Rotary for a while, but I was looking around one day in Rotary and realizing everybody here is like my grandparents because the younger generations just aren't joining stuff like that. So the church has this amazing opportunity to be the third place. And I believe God's calling us to that. Right? Coming out of this, we could see something amazing there. So that's the second thing. The third thing is this. Digital and physical. It's going to be a reality moving forward. We, we, we pivoted online back in March, and here we are, and we, we've done a great, our team has done a great job of going digital. And we are, we are now connecting with people that have never connected with us. And that's true probably for Village as well as us. We, 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 we've been connecting with people that we haven't even met yet. And that is going to be a moving forward reality for, for churches everywhere. And not just, not just for content online, for engagement and connection and first steps. 
We are trying to reach the next generations. And guess what? All those generations that are below little Generation X, which is what I'm part of, the generations under us are all online. And if we want to reach the next generation, we, we have to really do a great job online. And, and not just online. Look, digital, let me just say this, okay? Digital will never replace physical. It won't. On a number of levels, right? Do you agree with me? But it's super important as a tool that God can use to move people forward in their faith. And now it's, with, it's part of our tool, toolbox. It's, part of, it's on our tool belt. And we can use that to help move people closer to Jesus. So digital and physical will be our reality, both and, not one or the other. And we want to reach that next generation. If they're online, we want to be online. And we want to help them connect to hope. The church can be that place where the generations coming up could finally have a, a safe place for hard questions. And not only that, a place that can offer some guardrails and some boundaries in their life. I think those generations are longing for some boundaries, some, some guardrails, because our culture has just gone crazy. It's like, it's, and I'm not ripping on culture per se, but there's not a lot of, uh, everything's okay everywhere. And, and I think sometimes that's got to be overwhelming for young people. <laughs> give me some, give me some, uh, give me a space to play. Give me a lane. Give me some guardrails. Help me not go down destructive roads. There's so much the church family can offer by pointing people to Jesus. And that next generation is going to be online. So we want to use whatever tool we can to help. And I'm excited about that, actually. Here's the last thing. Number four. You ready for this? I think there's going to be a renewed call for pastoral care. Now, what in the world does that mean? Does that mean just what the preacher does or the elders do? No. I think it's all the way in every facet of our church family. We, we talk about loving our neighbor. I think this is a time frame where the church has a great opportunity to really love our neighbors. And what I mean by this is, it's not like, I, this is not saying that we're returning to like a Mayberry sort of thing with the Andy Griffith show or something. What we're, what we're doing is, I think people are finally okay with someone showing up on their porch unannounced. Now, that's been taboo for a while, right? We've got to call first. We've got to text first. I think we're coming into it. That's just an example, right? We're coming into a time where people need connection. They've been so isolated and so, like, just kind of in a, in a, in a segregated sort of way, and they haven't been able to be with people. I think the church now can be a, a place of renewed pastoral care. I believe there's going to be more porch praying. There's going to be more doorstep praying. Not that you're knocking on doors and just annoying people. The point is you're loving your neighbor and seeing how they're doing. There's going to be high-touch moments here. And I think the church is a wonderful place for us to get, to, to get excited about that, to, to visit maybe people and check in on them, renewed pastoral care, shared meals, be spontaneous. People are ready for connection. They have all kinds of devices, all kinds of streaming content to watch but they don't have your handshake and they don't have a hug. I think there's going to be a really renewed place for that. Do you, do you agree with me? I just feel like people are longing for that. Look, we're going to continue to make improvements around here. Uh, we know that uh, at least here at Dallas Church, our campus, the, the, the siding is pretty, pretty 
ready to be replaced. That needs to happen. We owe about $155,000 on, on this building. Now that is amazing. That's less than most of you owe on your house. This is a 10,000 square foot building that we got an amazing deal on. So we, we want to pay that down. We want to pay that. It'd be nice to be debt free, right? It's not too, that's not too far. It's not crazy. And we know the parking lot needs some help. That's, it's, right now it's kind of this green, mossy monstrosity. We, we want to do some things around there, but we want to prioritize people above capital projects and campaigns. Those, those things are still important, right? We, we want people to, when they, when they arrive on campus, we want them to feel like they know we care, right? That's why we got a, some guys helping with our, 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 our bathrooms back there that are needing help. We know those are important, but people come first. And we really try to do that here. So people come first. This, to me, is a time that we can seize. This is a seize-the-day moment for the church family. On all four things I talked about, whether that be multi-church, whether that be church as a third place, or, or, or digital and physical, connecting with the next generation, and renewed pastoral care, all of those are a seize-the-day moment. We get to be the church. Church was never about a Sunday morning event. Somehow it got moved to that. I don't know what happened in that process. There's probably a million reasons, but... People, when they think of church, they think of a Sunday morning, one-hour deal. We are the church everywhere we go. And this is our moment. This is our seize-the-day moment. We actually get to go to live hope. Peter talks about that, right? One of Jesus' disciples, he wrote in one of his letters, we are, we are born into a living hope. We have hope. And we get to go be the church. It's time. This has been a crazy... If, you know, if I had a dollar... For every time I heard someone say the word unprecedented, or we're all in this together, I think I'd be rich. Whatever's coming out of this, I believe God is moving us in those directions that we just talked about. He is asking us to seize the day. Church will be different. And you know what? I'm glad about that. It was never about a Sunday morning event, and it was never about four walls in a building. It was about us being the church in our community. And this is the time. I think people are hungry for discipleship. I think people are hungry for following the way of Jesus, even when it gets difficult. In fact, I think they're even more hungry for Jesus because it's going to be difficult. They're not, they're not interested in fluff anymore. We're done with the comfort stuff. The, the creature comforts of, 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 of comfy church are gone. Let it die. We're ready for, 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 for people to be real disciples. Who, who, who make sacrifices for Jesus that actually want to be on mission, not just fill a seat on a Sunday morning. I'm excited about this. This is not a doom and gloom at all. This is where I think God is leading us. We have such an opportunity. This is a seize the day moment. Church is now different. And I'm very thankful for that. And I'm honored to serve in a church family that's willing to hear what God is saying and move in that direction rather than just doing what we've always done and getting the results we've always gotten. It's time for new wine and new wineskins. We get to go be the church. We get to live hope and be the church. And I'm excited about that. I hope you are too. God is going to do something powerful in these and many other ways. And, and let's not be fearful. Let's not be people that are, that are timid or shy about this. Let's be excited about the fact that God wants to use you. He wants to use me to be the church to our community, to really love our neighbors, to be there as that third place so that the next generation can come and meet Jesus be part of that. I'm excited about it. This is new wine and new wine skins territory, folks. Now, I want to pray here in a minute and, and, and land the plane, if you will. But if 
you're here or you're online and you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never said yes to that living hope, you've never said, I want Jesus, I want to follow him, if you've never done that, we could help you do that today. Uh, don't, don't, don't sign off or leave without doing that today. We would love to help you take a next step. Uh, but for, for, for those of us who have said yes to Jesus, we get to go and be the church. We get to live hope. It's something we take with us to the grocery store and on Monday mornings and on Saturday nights. We get to be the church, and I'm excited about that. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your love, your faithfulness, your mercies that are new every morning. You have brought us through one of the most difficult years of all of our lives. And even though it's been difficult, we know that you have already been moving and preparing for what's coming out of this. Father, help us to be part of your mission of love and hope to the world, more so than we ever have before. Help us to hear you and follow you into our neighborhoods and with our neighbors. And, and Father, help us to be part of what's ahead and not just be always looking behind. Father, stir in us a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Awaken us to what you're doing. And Father, we will trust you because you're good and you can do immeasurably more than any of us could ever imagine. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.